Okay, we're going to continue. So if you can make your way back to your seats. And uh, it was nice for the weather to cooperate to help connect Christmas and Easter together for us. So glad that you made it safe and sound. My name's Joe Crumley, one of the leaders here, and get to speak this morning on uh, really, whew, the hardest job the last couple of weeks preparing for this message is to how to narrow it down, because Easter's such a big uh, topic to be able to talk about, and there's so many things, it's actually a bit harder sometimes when you've got so much to try to bring it all together. So we're going to try to do that this morning, and this goes right along with our whole series on foundations of what it is to be a Christian and what it is to be involved in a Christian church, and so this is really at the heart of everything to do with Christianity is uh, Easter, and as we celebrate really the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we're going to look into uh, what does that mean for us, what happened 2,000 years ago, how does that apply to our lives, and it's good for us to be able to make sure that sometimes some of us as Christians, we've maybe heard this uh, a lot of times before, that it doesn't grow old, and that we're always understanding and applying it to our lives. There's always people for the first time are hearing about Jesus and hearing about Easter, so we can't assume that people know things as well. And so it's great that we're able to kind of go over some of these things uh, today. And we're going to read our scripture this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is really sort of one of those good, concise um, aspects of when Paul's just bringing some things together in his teaching and his letter to Corinth. And uh, we're going to pick up uh, the story here. So let's read this out together, okay? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 to 20. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So we don't want that. Paul says this, For I deliver it to you as of first importance what I also received. So Paul's saying, This is what I received of the gospel, the good news, and this is the most important things that I'm giving to you. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, so the other disciples. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, and that's another way of saying that some have already died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, Paul saying, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Remember, Paul was persecuting Christians. He was on his way to Damascus, and he had that encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said to him, you know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And saying that the church really equaled Jesus. So he had an experience of seeing the risen Christ as well. Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And that was his old life. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Hallelujah. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. So Paul's really hammering home that with Christianity... It's sort of the all-or-none principle. Either it's all true or none of it's true. Paul says, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom, if he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised, 
For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep or who have already died in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. So Paul's really putting it out there. And I used to be this way as well. When I started sort of in my journey about God, I kind of thought of it this way. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, it's probably better to have some belief or faith in God than not. So I'd rather be like, yeah, I believe God exists and God's alive, as opposed to say, nah, I don't think about God. And I thought, well, you know what? At the end of the day, if I believe sort of in Jesus and, uh, you know, I try to live a good life, then basically according to most religions, I'll turn out okay. Because most of the time, if you try to do a lot of good and your heart's right, then, hey, at the end of the day, if it's all for naught, well, then it didn't really matter. And if it was, well, then I kind of sneak in. And Paul's saying, actually, Christianity, and we're going to focus today on what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection. Really, if this isn't true, then we're in big trouble if you, put your, if you say you're a follower of Jesus. Because you still haven't dealt with the sin issue, which we're going to talk about. Okay? And being a Christian is more than just living a good moral life or trying to do good. It's way bigger than that. It actually has to do with things of sin, God, okay, what God's done for us, God's, in a sense, honor, God's truth, God's word, that if God says he raised Jesus from the dead, okay, then that's a big deal. And if it's wrong or if it's not true, then we got big problems. So just try to say right from the beginning, this is an important topic. It's a really big deal. And as Paul said, either it's all true, and therefore we can have complete hope, and we can put our faith and trust in Jesus, or if we just say, well, you know what? Jesus is a good guy. He was a good moral teacher. And you know what? Compared to a lot of others, he's pretty good, so I'll just try to be a follower of him. But whether he was raised from the dead or not, that doesn't really matter. Then we're to be pitied more than anyone because we still haven't dealt with the sin issue, and we got a long time in eternity separated from God. So that's where we're going to start this morning is we're going to talk about, first of all, the cross, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And really, we've got to remember the starting point is what is our purpose in life? And that's a big question. What is our purpose in life? And so if I asked how many people here, 100 or so this morning, I gave you a questionnaire and I said, what's your purpose in life? we might get 100 different answers or we might find some similarities. You know, my purpose in life is, you know, for family. My purpose in life is to try to be good. My purpose in life is to try to have as much fun as I can have while here. My purpose in life is to try to keep healthy. My purpose in life, all these different things. And we miss, actually, in the beginning, our purpose in life was this. It's to have a relationship with our Creator. And we just sang about a lot of these things this morning. That we have a Maker, we have a Creator And if we look back in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see God in the beginning. God was always was. That's what makes him God. And in the beginning, God created. And we see that God created the heavens and the earth. And we see that God created the animals. And things were going along really well. And it was good. And then God created Adam. And it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And God created a woman. And both were made in his image. And it was very good. 
And in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we've got a great beginning. And they walked with God, and they knew God. What a great story. What a great movie right there to start out with. What a great beginning. But it didn't take long, actually just into the third chapter, where we see, and in movies, we love to have stories of good and evil. We see Satan come along, and he begins to tempt Adam and Eve. And we begin to see the effects of what the Bible calls sin. And we're going to walk through them just using Adam and Eve as an example. And sin is one of those words that actually in the Bible, a lot of different terms are used to describe sin. So we're not even going to do an exhaustive study on it. But here's some different things that we're going to try to point out about sin and how that affects us from Adam and Eve right down to today. Okay, And this is how Satan worked with Adam and Eve. First thing he did is he really tempted them not to believe God. So sin has to do, one aspect of it is this, has to do with your mind. Is what are you going to choose to believe? And Satan, first of all, went after God's word and basically challenged God's word and said, is God's word true or is it not? And sin, one aspect of sin is this, it's unbelief. It's not believing God's word. And so we have a choice in that. And every day we face choices where there's God's word and we are tempted to either not believe it. Well, most, a lot of us don't even know it exists. But. And so one aspect of sin is, has to do with your mind. There's a battle for your mind. And sin is this. It's not believing God. Okay? And from there, it leads to the next thing. That's idols. Okay? We're created to worship God. He's the greatest. He's worthy of all praise. So worship has to do with our heart. It has to do with our feelings, our emotions, our will. Okay? It's more than just sort of, we're not robots where we just choose right or wrong and it's you know just going through the motions. No, worship is this. We get passionate about something. Okay? And there's lots of things. Again, I put down, what are you passionate about? You would put down different things. Okay? You're passionate about music. You're passionate about drama. You're passionate about movies. You're passionate about money. You're passionate about your work. You're passionate about your family. You're passionate about sex. You're passionate about money. All these different things, let alone sports and education and all the different things. And a lot of them aren't even bad. They're actually good. But if they take the place of God, then they become an idol. And one part of sin is not worshiping God. And we see that in the first couple of commandments that God gives later. You know what? Unbelief and not worshiping God leads to this. It affects your actions. And they disobeyed God. Okay, God gave them incredible freedom. He put them in the Garden of Eden. Incredible freedom with some healthy boundaries for their own good. Okay, The only thing not, don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good or evil. That's for your own good. But everything else, they walked with God. They were made in God's image. So they were already like God. They had incredible fruit and all kinds of different things for them to enjoy as far as food and feasts and they ruled over the animals and they had each other and paradise with boundaries for their own good because God knows best. But not believing God, not worshiping God leads to this. It leads to your actions and they disobeyed God. And they ate of the fruit because they disobeyed God. All those things lead to we lose what our purpose and our focus in life is. And as soon as they sinned and they disobeyed God in all those different ways, the focus, something happened. 
There was a monumental shift on planet Earth. And instead of the focus being on God and walking with God and hearing God's voice and obeying God, it went inward. All of a sudden now, they experienced shame for the very first time. They were aware of their nakedness. And all of a sudden, really, the biggest thing is we, me, myself and I, Adam and Eve for themselves, that became the number one concern, not God. So all those things add up to sin, and they all add up to this. They lead to death. Okay, when we don't believe God, when we have idols in our lives, we worship other things, we're disobedient to God, we lose our purpose and our focus that instead of it being to know God and glorify God, we try to please ourselves. The end result, the Bible says, of sin is this. It leads to death. There's consequences to sin. And it leads to spiritual death. We're separated from God. Okay? We die in our relationship with God. And then obviously there's physical death as well, as we are well aware of, as we experience that around us every day. Okay? Both in the world global sense, but also in just in our own relationships. That every week we hear someone in someone's family dying, or some co-worker, or something like that, we see the results of death. Okay? Those are the things that Jesus came to deal with. And we see the results and the effects of these things 2,000 years later. We see them all the way through the Bible. We see the results of sin are these things. And the Bible's full of examples, and we have our examples today. And probably most of us can say, in our own lives, that we would say we're not perfect, that we're not always right, and we don't always believe God. We kind of worship other things sometimes, that we're not always obedient, that sometimes we miss the mark on what our purpose in life is. And, as we know, okay, we realize that we're not going to live forever. And these are the things that we have to deal with. And these are the things that if we're humble enough to stop in our crazy, busy world and sit and think for a few minutes that we realize we've got to have some answers to these big questions. What's my purpose? Where do I go when I die? All these certain things that if we're honest and we give time to think about them, okay, we have to really say, you know what? There's something probably bigger and beyond myself to really help answer these questions. And this is where we see, and if we were in our movie, we see good, we see evil, we see a plot, we see bad news, and we see that we are in desperate need of a hero. And hallelujah, that God has provided Jesus Christ, that we have good news, that our hero Jesus came, and the Bible calls him the second Adam. So the first Adam and Eve that were created disobeyed God in all these different ways. But hallelujah, Jesus came, and Jesus was sent from heaven. He's unique. He was born, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of a woman. We talk a lot about that at Christmas. He was sent with a purpose. He was sent on a rescue mission for humanity. And we see that Jesus fulfilled all of the things that the first Adam didn't, the second Adam did. So you just look, look at Jesus' life and how he was perfect in his life. First of all, what did he do? He believed God. He believed the word of God. And he said it in his okay, song that he read out, is that Jesus believed and he knew the word of God. He knew the prophecies that had been spoken all throughout the Old Testament about him. He believed the scriptures. He believed God. 
even when he was tempted, he believed God. And so Satan came along. Remember Jesus being tempted? And Satan would question Jesus, and Jesus would say, it is written. And Jesus believed the word of God. So where Adam failed, and he didn't trust God, and he didn't believe, Jesus came through. He believed the word of God. What else? Jesus worshipped his father. So Satan came along and tempted him, worship other things, worship this, worship that. And Jesus said, and he quoted the Old Testament, we worship God and God alone. And he modeled that in his whole lifestyle. He was a worshiper of the Father. Out of those things, in his mind and in his heart, Jesus obeyed God. And Jesus was famous in teaching us how to pray. And we see at Easter in the garden, when he was tempted to disobey God, he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours, be done. And instead of going his own will, he went with his Father's will. Jesus, the second Adam, fulfilled all the things our first Adam didn't do. And we have to realize that when we're born as babies, we've got lots of babies being born in our church, which is wonderful. Okay? We're born with a condition, a sin condition that we're born into sin because we're in that lineage of Adam physically and we need to get ourselves born into another family lineage and Jesus came and he established a new family tree and we have to get ourselves out of the first Adam and we got to get ourselves into the second Adam into Jesus and this is what we're going to discuss how do we do that Jesus obeyed his father that he came that his purpose in life was to only do what my father in heaven wants to do and then we see also that jesus tasted death that it's incredible to think jesus who was perfect fully god fully human that he fulfilled the scriptures in the old testament that said that jesus would be this we read in isaiah 53 says that jesus the anointed one the messiah who's coming is going to be a suffering servant okay and so you think, what in the world is that all about? And then you see Jesus going to the cross. He was beaten and whipped. Okay? He was betrayed. Okay? You think about the betrayal of Jesus. Okay? Sent, he created us, and yet we betrayed him. That sense of Banasaurus, he's familiar with our suffering. Okay? Jesus tasted death. Okay? He experienced the physical pain. He experienced the fear of death, all those things that come with it, that Jesus experienced these things just as we have to experience them. But the good news is that his death was like a death like no other, that Jesus, and the Bible calls it the the great substitution, Okay, that Jesus' death on the cross, that he was innocent, he never sinned, he was put on trial, Okay, he was complete injustice he went to the cross willingly he could have called down angels to come and rescue him but he didn't he went to the cross willingly because he knew this was god's plan for salvation and we're going to see all these things that sin brings with it a penalty okay and anything you know in law okay if there's an offense something's broken the law there's a penalty to be paid it might be jail time it might be Money, but there's a price to be paid. It's the same with sin. Jesus, the good news is this, when he died on the cross, 
Okay? His blood that was shed, he gave up his life. Life, his life was the payment for our sin. This is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. His life for our life. It's a payment that the penalty was paid in full. And because it was, we can be assured that we are forgiven. Okay? When you have something you buy at a store, you're given a receipt, a proof of purchase, guaranteeing that it's been paid. And you hold on to your receipt. Because if anything gets in question, you can pull out the receipt and you can say, here it is, proof of purchase. We look to the cross as Christians and we say, paid in full. That Jesus said, it is finished. It was paid in full. Jesus paid the penalty. And the book of Hebrews says he's the once and for all sacrifice. And because of that, we're guaranteed when we put our faith in Jesus that we're forgiven. Okay? That that debt's been paid. That God is satisfied. Okay? And the wrath that was put on us because of the justice of God that was rightly there has been paid in full through the mercy of Jesus Christ. On the cross, we also experience this. Jesus paid for our redemption. And the Bible uses the analogy of really being a slave and how a slave can be purchased to become under a new ownership of a new master. And that's another way of explaining what's happened to us is that we were slave to sin. And Jesus came along and what he, the payment he accomplished on the cross, he paid for us. So be like a slave being in jail or under a different master and someone coming along and saying, I'm going to pay for this person. Here's the payment. This person now belongs to me. And the good news is we have a great new master when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. He's paid with his blood for us to now belong to him. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're now slaves to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah that we have a great master like Jesus. Continuing on, we're also experience a great restoration that when jesus died he was able to restore us back into a relationship with god our father and that's great news that's our purpose in life okay he brings us back to our original purpose is to know god he restores us to a relationship what a great thing i don't know if any of you have ever been in a relationship that's been broken and how good it is when that relationship gets restored. It's an incredible feeling. And we were broken. We had a relationship broken with our creator, our maker. And Jesus restores us to that relationship. Well, also this Jesus said, by his wounds we are healed. Jesus is something in a legal sense. All those different things are payment. Where once was a slave, now we're legally belong to someone else. But Jesus goes beyond legal. And Jesus says this, Jesus heals us from the inside out. Okay? And this is the incredible part. Old Testament, there were legal procedures, but the Bible says all those things, different animals being killed and all that, it couldn't, clear, couldn't give us a clean conscience. It couldn't clean us on the inside. Jesus comes along by the power of his Holy Spirit. He cleans us on the inside. So there's a legal truth to it, but there's an experience that comes along with it. And Jesus helps us deal with things like guilt and shame and hurt and sorrow, okay, and despair and depression and the different things that we experience really as a result of sin, either things we've done or the wrongs done to us. And Jesus 
because of what he accomplished on the cross. He actually heals us. And he brings healing to our damaged emotions. And folks, sometimes that's an immediate thing and sometimes that's a process as well. But there's good news here this morning is that Jesus is not just an academic head thing, although it is. There's a legal part to it, but there's an experiential part as well. That when Jesus died on the cross, legally he paid our debt, but he also says he took all sorrow and suffering and pain and humiliation and despair and guilt, and he took all those things upon him on the cross. He became those things. So there's good news that no matter what circumstance you find yourself into this morning, maybe things you've done, many times the wrongs that have been done to us, that we've been violated in some way, because of what Jesus has done, we can be forgiven, we can be healed, so that we can forgive others, and Jesus can heal us from the inside out. There's good news here this morning. In a legal and an emotional both of those work together. That's what makes the resurrection so incredible because everything I've just said can only really be accomplished both through Jesus' death. He was the perfect one. He never sinned, yet he became sin for us that only he could pay this unique sacrifice and this unique payment. However, it gets even better is that many times we've seen people die, martyrs for different things, but Jesus was also raised from the dead. And that's what we've been singing about this morning. And as Paul said in these things with Corinthians to the Corinthian church, the most important thing along with the cross is this, that Christ actually rose from the dead. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed was raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead? And we're still explaining things 2,000 years later. Many people are like, Jesus, resurrection, crazy. How could anyone be raised from the dead? And we're still explaining that today. Okay? And just quickly, here's some just points just for you to think about. Okay? So you say, was Jesus really raised from the dead? Might people might even believe Jesus existed. People even believe Jesus went to the cross, but that was it. He was a good man. He laid down his life. He was a martyr, but that's the end of the story. But as Christians, we believe God, the Father, raised Jesus from the dead. And some things to think about is they never found Jesus' body. Now, lots of different reasons people have put forth that the reason there is no body is because a couple of these things could have happened. One is, maybe Jesus didn't really die. So people think, you know what? Jesus just fainted when he was on the cross. He wasn't really dead. They carried him away, and he miraculously got healed and took off. And that's why they never found the body. Well, we just say to that, you know what? The Romans... They were really good at executing people. Okay? They, it was an art and a science. They had it down pat. And for Jesus to be okay, flogged and experience all the different things he did, okay, they put the spear in a side, the blood and the water flowed out, which is a sign of death. Okay? He's put in a tomb okay, behind a big rock, guards everywhere. Okay? He probably didn't survive. All right? So that's one thing. Other people think the disciples stole his body. So that's another thing. And that could probably maybe have happened. However, think about this. Okay? These disciples who would have to take on the Roman guards that would have to roll away a rock who had just previously scattered, denied Jesus, wouldn't even be seen with them, denied him, all those things. 
had to come up with some pretty big courage to be farmers and fishermen and tax collectors to take on Roman guards to steal his body. Another thing is they say, well, the authorities took Jesus' body. Well, if that happened, it'd be great because if people said Jesus was alive, guess what they could have done? They could have just rolled out his body and said, surprise, we got it right here. Instead, they paid the soldiers off, not even to talk about it. Okay? All kinds of different things. Another big one. Okay, those who were followers of Jesus who had just previously denied him were completely transformed because they had seen the risen Savior. And they went from denying Jesus and cursing Jesus to very shortly being willing to lay down their lives for Jesus. Okay? And if you think about it, if they knew Jesus wasn't really alive, okay, what a crazy thing to be tortured and murdered for something that you knew wasn't true. Instead, they were radically transformed. And these little group of men and women okay, went on, and within 300 years, Christianity was known at the time throughout what was known as the world at that time. And here we are today, and we don't even know the countless millions who have experienced Jesus today as the risen Savior, who have had an encounter with Jesus, myself being included, that I know, that I know, that I know, from a historical, legal point of view, but also from an experiential point of view, that God is alive, that Jesus is alive, that he saved me, that he speaks today, that he has a purpose for my life, that I'm forgiven, that I'm restored, that I have a relationship with God, that I can say, Abba, Father, with thousands, millions, billions of Christians throughout the ages who can say that today. The resurrection, there's evidence everywhere. And the good news is this, is we're not just forgiven. The payment's not just given. All those things that were forgiven. Sometimes we can think of it this way. It's like we had this huge debt, if you think of it in a financial point of view, and we owed billions of dollars, and someone else paid it for us, and it gets us to zero, we'd be really happy. Okay? Any of us have debt? Realize, man, if I could just get to break even and get my head just a little bit of what. I'd be really happy. I would be praising God that if I had billions of dollars debt, it was paid and I got to zero. Hallelujah. But the great news is this. It goes beyond that. Because Jesus lives, we can be raised to life as well. That it goes beyond just getting to zero. It goes beyond just to being made right with God. It goes beyond just the penalty being paid. It goes beyond these things is that we're now given new life and a life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus gives his spirit so that we can now live a life that pleases God. And we read about Romans 6. It says that Jesus was raised, that God raised him from the dead. so He can live a life that pleases God. That gives us great hope that because Jesus lives, we can have a new life as well. Folks, it goes beyond this sort of like a home renovation that, you know what, i got some areas in my life that need to be fixed up, and if I can just patch some things up here, I'll be a better person and all that. It's a radical change, is that you were dead in your sins, and you become alive in Christ. It's more than just a little makeover. It's a complete change. It's death to life. And because Jesus lives, we can be raised to life. Folks, that gives us great hope for the things that we encounter today, because life is hard. And if our only hope is, well, we'll get a little bit of self-help and we'll get a little bit of help from the church and a little bit of things, we're in big trouble. 
but we're raised to life. Jesus was raised to life, and because we're in Christ, we get raised to life as well. We get new life imparted to us that we didn't have before, and that empowers us to live a life that we couldn't live before. Okay? That's good news. It's great hope. And it also shows that Christianity is unique. Right? It's different from every other religion, every other worldview, every other philosophy, because we believe our God is alive today. And God always reveals himself in the Bible as present tense, I am. So when God revealed himself to Moses in the Old Testament, I am who I am, the great I am. They asked Jesus all kinds of questions. They tried to trick him about when this person died, who would they marry and all that. And Jesus just said, hey, God's not the God of the dead. He's alive. He's alive. We have a unique God with a unique cross and a unique resurrection. That because God is alive, he's able to save us today. Jesus lives to be able to save us today. And quickly, as we approach communion, okay, as Gary's already said this morning, okay, these things aren't just for our education, aren't just for okay, us to kind of know as head knowledge. These things require a response. And Paul wrote to the Romans, he said this in chapter 10. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So today, the question is, do you believe the cross, and do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Saying Jesus is Lord, Jesus has conquered sin and death. He is our master. And that he's provided salvation. He has saved us. Our hero has rescued us from sin, the penalty of sin, the pollution of sin, the power of sin, the partition that separates us from God. Okay? He's conquered death. You do not have to fear dying any longer. And that's one of our biggest things that we fear. Okay? If you look in our world, everything is focused on trying to keep us young so that we do not get closer to dying. That's a worldview, whether we know it or not, that we live in, that we fear dying. And Jesus has conquered death. He's defeated it. It's our last enemy. And when we're in Christ, we don't have to fear dying anymore. Okay? And being with Christians on their deathbed many times now and seeing them die okay, and walking people through, okay, there's a tremendous difference facing death knowing that Jesus has conquered death. Okay? That's when the reality of a relationship with Jesus really comes into view. When people can face death with a peace and an assurance that they know who they belong to. It's a great hope. Jesus also frees us from the power of the devil. We started out in Genesis chapter 3 with an enemy who hates God who lies, kills, destroys, deceives, accuses Satan, who wants to do the same with us, who leads us away from God. Jesus has defeated Satan. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. We don't have to fear Satan. We don't have to fear the demonic. We, don't have, to, we have power over this enemy. Because Jesus has defeated the devil. Okay? We can believe the resurrection. 
That just as Jesus was raised to life, we can have a new life. That Jesus gives us a new heart that we didn't have before. We, we might have wanted to please God, but we are powerless okay, to do that. Being born again, being born of God's Spirit, we have a new heart that we can live now for God. We've got a new purpose in life. That's to live for God. Okay? It's not just for me anymore. Actually, now I'm living for God. We've got a new power to accomplish it. We have the Word of God to help us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the church now around us as we believe the resurrection. And we get to follow a risen Savior. We don't follow dead Jesus from 2,000 years ago. We follow Jesus who is alive today, who has purposes and plans, who's fulfilling them because he's true to his word, that he's building his church, that the gates of hell will not come against, will not prevail. He's extending his kingdom, his rule and his reign that we get to be a part of as Christians and as his church. Okay? And we have relationship with God. Okay? We can over, we can, we say it so many times, we can lose the awe that folks, we can have a relationship with our creator. That we can have a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, his son. So no matter what sort of bent you have, whether you're a scientist, you can have a relationship with the greatest scientist who created the heavens and the earth. So as Gord finds out more in physics, he actually finds out more about God. Chemistry, biology, whatever area you're in, geology, all those things reveal a great God. If you're in the arts, okay, God created movement. God created music. God created all these things that you get to know and experience and understand even more. And you can go, if you're a laborer, God created. God worked six days. Then he had a rest. Okay? No matter what sort of angle you are, you can learn more about God because you have relationship with him. And it affects your everyday life. And the craziness of our fast-paced life is this. It's hard sometimes to hear God because it's a crazy world we live in. But we can hear God's voice in everyday life. We can read the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit who's been given just like Jesus as our teacher, our counselor, our comforter, our helper, the one who will reveal God's truth to us. And folks, we have a great hope for eternity. Okay? We have a great hope and in a world where more and more the suicide rates go up in our culture, which is crazy, isn't it? When our young people, the suicide rates are going up all the time. There's hope for today. There's hope for a great future as well. And somehow we have to, with God's help, learn even more, be able to walk out this good news that we've received, to be able to explain it and communicate it and demonstrate it to those around us, that Jesus is our hero, that he's our savior, that we couldn't save ourselves, but Jesus has conquered sin and death through his death on the cross, but through the resurrection that God his father raised him from the dead. And the Bible says, if we believe that, if we believe Jesus in our heart, these things, if we confess with our mouth, we will be saved, that we will be justified. And then God begins his work 
of his sanctification, of making us more like his son Jesus every single day. So folks, Easter's a great day, a great weekend. As with many things in life, it deals with sorrow and it deals with joy. It deals with pain and it deals with great hope. There's a death involved, but there's also a resurrection. And folks, in our lives, okay, as we remember communion, as we remember the death of Jesus, okay, the Bible says when we put our faith in Christ, actually in one sense, we die. There's a death as well, that our old self dies. But there's a great resurrection, that we are given new life in Christ. And so today on Easter, Gary's already mentioned, you know what, some of us might have to make a response for the first time, even this morning, that you might understand for the first time and we take the bread, it represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. That he paid the penalty. He took our place. When we take the cup, we realize that the juice represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. But the Bible says when we take communion, it also says this, but remember Jesus' death, remember his resurrection, and remember that Jesus is coming again. You keep doing this until the Lord returns. So we always have one eye to the future as well, is knowing that Jesus is coming again, that he's going to fulfill all these things, that we will be gloriously saved, we'll receive a new body, no more sin, no more suffering, no more sorrow, that heaven's going to be an incredible place. And he's made a way for each of us to be there through Jesus Christ, his son. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then our life group teams are going to get ready to help um, share in communion. And then we'll lead, we'll lead us in one final song from there. So, Father in heaven, we want to thank you this morning. We thank you for who you are, that you're a God of relationship, that you've created us, that you want and you delight in relating with us. And we thank you that even though sin put a wedge between us, a division that you sent your son, you made away the great divide you healed. And we thank you this morning for Jesus and for his death on the cross Lord, we thank you for all that that accomplished and purchased. And we thank you that, God, you had power to raise your son Jesus from the dead. And we thank you today for the resurrection and that it gives us new life as well. That if you raise Jesus from the dead, you can raise us. And we thank you for this great hope, both for today and for a great future in eternity with you. And, Father, I pray right now, by your Holy Spirit, would you come, would you reveal Jesus as we prayed earlier this morning. I pray right now, Lord, for those who... Maybe don't know you. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you open their eyes to this good news. God, I pray, Lord, for those who have been resisting you. God, I pray, Lord, that they would submit to you. God, I pray they would give up. They would die to themselves. And they would accept you. And God, I pray for those of us who have known you maybe for a long time. God, this never grows old. God, we thank you today with fresh thanksgiving for what you've done. And Lord Jesus, we say... Again, that we believe you and we confess with our lips that you are Lord and that we want to follow you all the days of our life that know you and to bring glory to you. As we remember you now, we know, we remember what you accomplished 2,000 years ago, but we remember that you're alive today and that you're coming again. Lead us now, we pray, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.